Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. How's everybody doing? After a big win? Yeah, big win. Hopefully everybody is doing well. Um, we are here to uh, sing the praises tonight and uh, enjoy this one. I, you know, uh, We're going to have a good time t- looking back at the huge JMU victory, 45-10, at Elon over the weekend. We're going to look ahead a little bit to the third of three straight road trips up to Long Island this weekend as they take on Stony Brook. And we're going to kind of do some fun things for overtime slash extra segments tonight. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Go see our old friends at Pale Fire. Go see Tim and Susan and the crew. Um, mention the podcast. You'll get a free pint glass. Rob, I, I think we were happy to see a couple of those on, on Twitter this week. Yeah, that was, that was cool, wasn't it? No, definitely cool to see. Good to see um, people still getting that promotion. And Pellfire um, also reaching out to folks saying that they uh, couldn't find kegs on tap. They're like, we can take care of that for you. So <laughs> it was nice to see that engagement. That is for sure. So big thanks to them. And go by the tap room. As always, you can get your free pint glass. And I don't have much around the uh, JMU world this week, Rob. I, I saw the volleyball team did drop their first CAA match. So they're two and one in the CAA. Um, they lost to Towson over the weekend. Uh, women's soccer has been struggling. Men's soccer stays hot, uh, just crushing people. And they've got a big one coming up this week. Uh, another ranked versus ranked there in Harrisonburg. I, I have no idea why Cal State Fullerton is making the trip to Harrisonburg. That seems like a hell of a flight. Um, I don't know how many connections you need from Fullerton, California to Harrisonburg, Virginia. But somewhere along the line, there seems to be a bus and a train and something else there. A horse and buggy. I don't know. But, Scooter, Uber, yeah. all, again, all. Yeah, but that's water taxi midweek this week. So that's a ranked versus ranked. Uh, Fullerton, another program kind of on the rise, uh, had not, you know, this is new for them as well. So a cool opportunity for, I think I saw Ferial is second in the nation in goals right now. So, you know, the, the, JMU's putting up some big numbers. and That's a lot of fun to see. Other than that, we are here to talk football tonight and have some fun. Uh, Rob, I, you know, what are we going to say? I mean, we got, we got, we're going to do our four downs, but hopefully most of these are going to be happy things. Um, four downs brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, big thanks to those guys and gals out there. Go by the uh, shop anytime, mention the podcast, and you'll get a free Mossy Creek sticker or your tailgate and everything else. I know I'm hoping JMU can win one more on the road this week, Rob, and give us all a chance to get back home. It's, it has felt – it's getting to feel – so looking forward to seeing them back in Bridgeport a week from this. So two weeks from now. So Rob, what was your first takeaway from this? Week? Well, I, I, that was really fun. First of all, I don't, that's like, <laughs> yes, it, yes. it was cool to see a game that I've been looking forward to um, since Jamie lost to Elon last year. It, it's kind of importance or the degree to which I was looking forward to it raised considerably when Signetti came on board just had a lot of kind of mm-hmm. emotional sides had the potential to really um, be a difficult game both on the field and with all the kind of hoopla around this but man did they take care of business I mean that was just far and away wow. the most complete game of the season I did mm-hmm. not think we would we would open CA play with with just something that it wasn't wasn't perfect by any stretch um but to see the strides the offense made just from last week to this week, to me, was mm-hmm. stellar. Like, the offensive line, I'm not going to claim to be one of these, like, smart football dudes or breaking <laughs> it down. But 
it was apparent, first of all, because the stupid Elon Sports Vision didn't show anything other than the line play. <laughs> like, did not follow oh. the ball. But they weren't clearing holes as much as they were just moving the entire defensive front away from the ball carriers you know it was just like Mm -hmm. just flat out just pushing them five or six yards away and then um i thought hamilton was spectacular just like making Mm -hmm. what what i thought he did better on saturday than i'd seen him any other time in jamie uniform is making the one quick cut and then just north south and you see he Mm -hmm. does have a bit of that burst so i thought he was stellar i thought percy was stellar um van horse obviously and then landers the new guy that everybody's raving about you know, it was just it, mm-hmm. it was just a, a terrific, terrific performance from the offensive line. Um, the passing, the numbers weren't terrific, but they did enough to kind of keep things honest. Anytime mm-hmm. you rush for over 330 yards, you really don't need to air it out that much. <laughs> no, no, no. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, it, we'd been saying for weeks, you know, this defense is really exciting. They're so good against the run, but they're really missing the pressure, missing the QB pressure. Well, they got the cheek five mm-hmm. times. We're in his grill the entire game. Um, ten yeah. tackles for loss. I just thought it was amazing the way that they were just suffocating ball carriers, um, really dictated what Elon could do in terms of play calling, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and really made yeah. them a, a very one-dimensional team. Um, and Cheek is a heck of a quarterback, but you can see, like, even good quarterbacks, just the, the play drops dramatically when you got guys in your face and you're running for your life. So. I don't know. I was thrilled. I had more fun watching that game than I've had in a long yes. time watching JMU football. Um, really, really excited to see the way they spread the ball around on offense, both in terms of ball carriers and ball catchers. Um, it, mm-hmm. just, it was, but it was like weird because, like, I was chatting with somebody on Twitter. It was really more like methodical than spectacular. You know, it was. It, just was. Like, it was really exciting as a fan to see like they had a game plan. They were sticking to it. They weren't pulling any tricks. They were like, we're just going to line up and our front guys are going to beat your defensive front and we're going to run all day. And then we're going to drop mm-hmm. a couple passes, you know, to Stapleton or Poke or, or baby Ravenel, And we're just going to run down and score. And they had what, six rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah. Completely. Just, yeah. It was, it was, I don't know. It was just, it was really impressive. It just looked so deliberate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. So it was, it was fun. what did you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got a lot to go around, but that methodical versus, I, I don't know what you said, explosive. Or spectacular. Was yeah, just... Spectacular. I, but the truth is, you know, I talked to Chase last night a little bit about this, mm-hmm. Rob, and I, I came away from this game. I, the, you're right. It was methodical instead of spectacular. And yet that only made me feel better about James Oh, that's more sustainable. This season. It's much more yeah, sustainable. They're just play in, play out. They were just out executing. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of notes. I did want to ask you a question before I sort of um, respond to your thoughts, Rob, which was, so I watched the game from the golf course this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, I had a really good time. I had a phone hooked up to the golf cart. Oh, nice. uh, you know, it was very, very fun. Uh, and, and for all the jokes about the Elon production and the one camera being awful, um, the flow part of that, actually, you know, the streaming part seemed to work pretty well for me. So considering the... Uh, method in which i was watching the yeah game. as much as i would love to complain the... about flow it's just it's the nature of the school production flow is just piping it through and we can argue all day about whether right. that justifies paying for something that in many cases last year was not free and has not been an upgrade um, right but the problems were not with flow they were with elon vision or whatever elon. it's called yeah it'd be kind of interesting to see this weekend at stony brook if there's a different level you know we've seen some decent stuff from stony brook in the past so yeah. Hoping for that. And Rob, I mean, our, one of our good friends that we, it, it is sad to the flow thing, you know, 
no knock on the flow stream this weekend, but I got a text from someone over the weekend that said, I just, I'm not going to do 1299 a month to watch these JMU games. Like, yeah, I know I'm going to be signing up for ESPN plus, or I'm already signed up and I know I'm going to need that for the playoffs. And you know, that's not someone who's like that casual. Right. I mean, that's a tough thing. I don't, I don't know what to say. Right? I think it's They're, a weird mental barrier for people similar to how people don't want to pay for other types of mm-hmm. content in terms of newspapers and things like that. We've mm-hmm. just been accustomed to things being free. It's tough, even though marginally, what is that? That's a six pack of beer, one fewer six pack of beer a month, you know, like you're not, yeah. free, but there is certain people just are not going to pay for it. And then when you have things like you're paying for them to pipe in what is really an amateur production, I completely right. understand that. Like I, I did it. I yeah. won't watch. I'm going to pay. But I get how the casual fan might not tune in, which is kind of what everybody's gripe was with this deal. Like, are we trying to increase exposure? Or are we trying to drive revenue? And mm-hmm. you can't do both. And strictly, they take the revenue and they're buying games on CBS for basketball. Mm-hmm. So it just mm-hmm. seems to be a little, I don't know, inconsistent. Yeah. 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 But uh, getting, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And getting back to your game point, Rob, the question I had for you was, so I've seen the highlight of Elon um, sort of throwing the, I don't know what to call that. That's, that's a fluke, pretty fluky play. Um, the Elon touchdown to start the yeah. game. But I didn't, I actually was not caught up to the game yet. And I, so I saw the play, um, but I was kind of wondering from you, can, where was that in the first course I, of Elon's first I got I was in the process yeah. of signing up for flow. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly getting home late. I was, I was getting home late from James's Little League game. Running out there, That's getting what, it all set up, and I tuned in, and it was like seven nothing, and I had that brief moment of panic, and then yeah. I was trying to piece it back together using, you know, the the drive chart, and yeah, I don't know, was it? It's, so this is it's just a long pass. I mean, a guy, a cheek, kind of made a play. He got away from a couple rushers, stepped up in the pockets. It was so deep. It was so the play took so long to develop yeah. that the safeties and DBs that were back there kind of lost track, and the guy had to come back for the ball, and then made a move and ran it in. I mean. It's good, you know, it's a good play, but it was looking back at it, it was definitely fluky. Yeah. And I was the same thing. I was, we were at the turn in this kind of tournament weird format. And I like didn't get a chance to tune in right in that first drive. And I was like, what the hell happened? Yeah. Um, but a couple of things that you said, I mean, Hamilton was fantastic. I, I thought it was interesting, Rob, you, I think you mistakenly said Landers when you met Latrell Palmer. I said, oh, did I? Yeah, uh, I met Palmer. Yeah, by the new guy. And uh, No, but it is kind of funny because I think his running style is so aggressive it's and downhill that it, it does remind me of Rodney yeah. Landers a little bit. Yeah, um, great to see. And, you know, for me, I, my second down was going to be O-line specific. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to specifically look at uh, Raymond Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the left tackle position. So, you know, I think he's probably the fifth of the five linemen in terms of what we expected coming into the year, right? Yeah. That, that Fornadel, Patrick, Bethea, like those guys had those positions locked down or at least some spot on the line locked down. And Truvel Wilson and Raymond Gillespie sort of took the left side positions and that was a little less expected. Um, but I saw some really good things from Gillespie this weekend, uh, especially as JMU was driving in close to the goal line. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing we've learned about this JMU team through the first five weeks of the season, four or five weeks of the season, is when they want to run the ball, they're great. <laughs> they can really run the ball. Well, it's because there weren't a lot of we've negative seen plays. Some, 
No, yeah. there were none. Really? Actually. I saw yeah. a stat today. Um, they didn't have a single negative play in this game. Or, or, I don't know if they had a negative play with penalties or whatnot, but they did not have a sack and they did not have a tackle for loss, Elon, an entire game. Jamie ran the ball for 330 yards and six touchdowns. Um, you know, and it was so dominant that they weren't even – the one thing that I enjoyed this weekend, they weren't even really using the option or the RPO that much. No, you know, just run the, between um, the tackles. It was just run between the tackles. I mean, to the extent that when the one time when Danucci did pull the ball, I mean, he, he just strolled in like – I mean, it was one of those – it looked like one of those old bootlegs where the camera and everybody else was – I can't recall seeing a defense fooled that badly. Like, there was that one, no. and then a couple – maybe the next drive, there was a, another mm-hmm. one where they think – where Danucci was just kind of strolling for the first down. I mean, he didn't really even break stride on that touchdown. He literally walked mm-hmm. into the end zone. And it mm-hmm. was like it wasn't like showing up. I think he was probably as surprised as anybody. And it was almost like, hey, mm-hmm. he, I got the impression like he was worried if he started running, then they might notice him. It was just like he mm-hmm. snuck around the back. And no, that was staggering. I can see that. Yeah. No, it was just it was such a dominant performance by the O line against the team. And I'll tell you what else made me excited, Rob. Uh, I, I did listen to Signetti today on the press conference. You know, that was the Elon three three five stack defense that JMU Give has. Giving him fits, right? Whether it was Elon or Villanova or yeah. others. And obviously the Villanova game is setting up to be, you know, potentially a, a really significant game in two weeks. And not to overlook Stony Brook at all, but I, I – Signetti's, I mean, you know, one thing we forget is he did coach a team that ran that mm-hmm. defense the last couple of years. And, you know, he seemed to definitely have a plan for how to attack it. I mean, we saw that. Un- he talked about it today. They ran that unbalanced line a couple yeah. times and flipped the tight end and the left tackle, you know, moved the tackle to the right. And he exactly how to attack that defense from a running standpoint. And I, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, good luck to JMU's opponents when Danucci doesn't have to do anything dangerous. Yeah. You know, I mean, when he just has to run the way he did this weekend, it's, you know, it's tough. So, yeah, that was kind of my second down was the O-line. I mean, just outstanding. All the running backs, again, glad to see Percy, glad to see, you know, Hamilton, glad to see Lachelle Palmer, everybody chipping in. Really good stuff. Uh, Van Horst got the rookie of the week in the CAA, and I – Barely even noticed he was out there this week. Yeah, so, are, are your thoughts yeah. evolving on the running back by committee? Because I'm starting to become okay with it. You know, I've been somebody beating well, the drum the for thing. like, oh, we need a prime back, and I'm like, I don't know, man. If, if the offensive line can play like this, maybe there's value in just given, you know, playing a hot hand to some degree. But now this is what yeah. four, four or five weeks in a row we've seen him run out three or four guys who can chop off six, seven yards carry late in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that it's going to be interesting to see is I, I've been warming up to it a little bit. And I think we saw a little bit of it this week with JMU is last week at Chattanooga, we saw JMU, they got punched in the mouth and they started giving the ball to Percy. Yeah. And we talked about that last week. So I think all of this running back by committee is it's all well and good while they can afford to do it, but I'm feeling more comfortable than Signetti when the rubber meets the road come December, you know, like I'm all fine with the running back by committee while it's working against Elon and they're running away with it. I also am feeling okay that when, if the time comes, we'll hand the ball to Percy 25 times if we need to. And so I think I'm kind of okay with it in both ways on that. And I think Signetti, 
you know, I think one thing that's going to be interesting is I got to imagine, I mean, we've all kind of sat here and wondered what's up. Why didn't Latrell Palmer play earlier in the year? Why was Austin Douglas playing more earlier in the year? I mean, part of it could be they're giving both guys a chance before they'd make a decision on the red shirt. And part of it could be pass pro, yeah. I think, for the young guys, right? And Signetti talked about that a little bit today, that the running backs that are going to play are the guys who are really developed and advanced in their ability to help, help in the pass protection game. And I'm guessing that that's one of the things that gave Van Horst the edge in the West Virginia game. And as the other guys kind of come along, I think it'll be, you know, I don't have any problem with the running back by committee as long as they're being productive. And as you said, you wrote this weekend, if the offensive line opens holes like that, any of those guys yeah. are going to be just yeah. fine. You know? Like, and so with regard to the red shirts, I'm somebody who used to get very kind of bent out of shape about what I thought was coaches being loose with red shirts. And now mm-hmm. I've kind of gone the other direction. And part of mm-hmm. that is uh, just to use an example, like the Cole Johnson thing. I, I think we might have, Jamie might have gotten too cute with Johnson. Everybody's kind of playing it for the future, playing it for the future. Is it ever going to happen? You know, like, I, I think right. there's a point when you need to strike a balance. But if guys like Van Horse and Palmer are good enough to contribute, use them now. You mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. Guys get hurt. Nope. Guys get over-recruited. Guys change positions, transfer. transfer like, mm-hmm. you know, you can wait too long and be too cute with it. And then all of a sudden it's senior year and it's like, holy crap, we got – now, guys, we need to play, and these young guys, we can't. Like, so I'm, I'm kind of in favor of just, hey, if they're contributing, keep them going. I'm not going to cry if Palmer continues to play, even if he only plays yep. three or four more games. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's just as much value in some cases to a guy like him or, or Douglas, you know, getting in there and getting the game reps and just being that mm-hmm. much more productive as a sophomore versus as a redshirt mm-hmm. freshman. You know, so I think that's right, and I, I also think. You know, I know, Rob, you and I are enjoying this season game by yeah. game, and we're having fun with it. But you ask any kid and ask any, ask any of those true freshmen on the 16 team, for example, or the 04 championship team, would they have liked the chance to contribute in a year that's remembered that way? Mm-hmm. You know, and the team that JMU has on its racket this year is pretty special. And, you know, I'm not saying they won't be good the next couple of years, you know, but I just said, I, I think kids want to play yeah. and they want to play and be a part of something special. And there's a chance of that happening this year for JMU. Flags so fly forever, kid, sort of thing, you know? That's <laughs> right. That's right. You're right. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that. So what, what do you think about third day? Well, I guess I, I don't want to be too, too like pie in the sky or anything, but can we do a little bit of like an old man armchair QB rent about the tackling? Because this, yeah, this is yeah, something like, yeah, this is a this problem. Is a problem. Yeah. Um, and this sounds ridiculous from two dork 40-something bloggers, you know, criticizing a bunch of kids. Uh, but this is like, you know, like when my dad used to yell about guys missing free throws. Like, it's fundamentals, fundamentals. I just feel like there's an element in today's game, and call me the old man yelling at clouds or whatever, but like, there's way too much of people just trying to drop a shoulder into somebody and, like, knock them off their feet when they could just wrap them up and make the tackle. And I saw a lot mm-hmm. of that this week. It, the running game, mm-hmm. it's not like that. It's just it, the line collapses and they do whatever they can to drag the guy down. If the quarterback, or, like, yep. I love that. When you see like a deep, they're doing, like they want to hit somebody, but if they're lying on the ground, they will grab a guy's jersey and just pull them down. They're doing whatever mm-hmm. they can to get the ball carrier down. Um, I think right. part of that is the size and strength advantage, 
but you have a lot, and, and it's across all levels of football. Guys, safeties and corners just want to drop a shoulder and knock down the carry, and it doesn't work as many times as it does. And we saw it mm-hmm. happen against Chattanooga. We saw it happen mm-hmm. several times over the weekend against Elon. We're like, guys absorb those blows, and they maybe stumble forward for two or three more yards. Um, in mm-hmm. the best case, worst case, they completely you know shed those tackles and they run for a first down. So mm-hmm. it was the one complaint that – well, not the one. I think there's a couple more slight ones. But <laughs> it's not so much like the pass. You guys are going to complete passes. You're not going to have like a completely shut down – don't give up any completion sort of thing, but you can limit mm-hmm. the damage. And I think if Jamie could just limit the damage with some better tackling, it would, it would go a ways to really give fans a bit more confidence in this passing defense, which is still pretty good. People are acting like it's a sieve back there. It is not. It's Jamie is no. making, making teams one dimensional and they're throwing for 200 yards and we're all freaking out, which is. And when we're winning by two, two yeah. three scores, half the game, you're kind of dropping it half. I, I just right. think it's that's the type of thing, regardless of the score, you should see consistent tackling. You should see guys in the Jamie secondary bringing down receivers rather than just trying to come up with these highlight plays. So I, I know that's kind of an old man rant, and it's a little bit of a like, oh, today the, the game used to be so much better. But it just, <laughs> it really was bugging me. It was happening a lot where guys were just, you know, breaking them for an extra three or four yards. That adds up over a game. And in a close game, that. Mm-hmm. So. And in a close game where, you know, we've seen it with guys like Brandon Polk on JMU's team. We saw mm-hmm. it this weekend with Kendall Dean, um, a couple guys. Like, if you give an athlete, the, if you give them the chance to break the first tackle and that three or four yards, when you're playing NDSU or SDSU or Villanova or for whoever it is, right, when you're playing the big names down the road, that three or four yards may be 30 or 40 yeah. yards. You know, um, you know, Jamie's fortunate to kind of have the speed and the talent to just overwhelm some of the Elon receivers this week, but that's not going to be the case forever this season. No, no, I, I, um, I think a good you. positive example, though, is like Jimmy Moreland. You know, everybody, every, yes. like, you listen to the NFL, he's a good tackler. He's not a hitter. Still making he's tackles right now. Like he, a lot of tackles to be made out there. He goes out and kids, he so. drags, he gets guys down. Um, mm-hmm. And he just goes low. You know, he does a lot of those ones that aren't necessarily highlight plays. The hit itself but yep. then you look back and you're like, wow, he just made an open field tackle. He wrapped the guy up, then rolled on his yep. legs, and he was down. But if he didn't do that, the guy was going to go for 15 yards. He made that great right. one. He grabbed the guy, and like the guy got an extra two yards while Jimmy dragged yeah. him down. But he didn't break away and get an extra 15. Yeah, or that was a senior bowl. He didn't come in and like just lay his shoulder on somebody. He got in the backfield yep. and just brought the guy to the ground. I think that's, that's just right. a really good example of just strong fundamentals. Make the play. And that mm-hmm. becomes the highlight. We all want to see, you know, Lawrence Taylor type crunch course stuff, or maybe not so much today with all we know about mm-hmm. the, the big hits. You know, we don't need Vontez Burfick mm-hmm. type stuff going on there, but just get no. guys down. You know, it'll it'll do yeah. a lot later in the season. Mm-hmm. And and it's really frustrating too because I, I mean, JP tackled really well in Morgantown mm-hmm. in a game where I think I was really we were all very nervous about that because they did have the athletes that if we didn't tackle well, it could turn into a disaster. Yeah. And there's been some breakdowns since then. And I don't know if the two really easy games kind of gave them a false sense of things. And, and I think it's fair to say, you know, we're not going to call kids out, but it's, it's some of JMU's better players yes. that have missed some of these yep. tackles on the back end. So yeah, hopefully they, they need to lock that down for sure. Um, 
my fourth down, Rob, is uh, just congratulations to Ethan Radke. Yes. Um, broke the all-time record for most field goals at JMU. Uh, really good to hear. And, and I did – I thought it was interesting that Signetti, you know, it would have been – you know, it would have been great for him to break it on the 55-yarder before the half um, had that gone through. And, and I thought he hit it. I mean, he hit it well. I thought straight. it went through. It just, just ended up a little bit yeah, short. Yeah, it came up a couple yards short. Um, and I saw Signetti in the press conference today said um, Racky did not have his best week in terms of practice. Um, you know, he wasn't as consistent as he's – he's just been so steady for so long now. And I guess he was a little – you know, for what – I don't know what that means. It doesn't mean. But enough that Signetti said, yeah, we were a little bit worried about him, but he kicked well in warm-ups and that kind of thing. And um, – you know, again, I mean, I didn't expect him to make – I wasn't disappointed when he missed the 55-yarder or whatever. But I actually liked that they or, put him out there for that. I did too. And Signetti said it's affecting the way he approaches the game a little bit. I mean, he did say that, that sometimes, you know, he has such confidence in Radke that it does help him feel a little more comfortable in the way he's calling plays in certain parts of the field and at certain times of the game. And that's kind of nice to know. Um you know, I, I don't want them to be overly conservative, but I know as a fan, it's certainly great to think, well, we got him there and we put him out there for a 35 yarder. He's going to hit it, you know, and it, nobody deserves it. I mean, that's a kid who definitely deserves the record. You know, JMU's offense the last five, six, seven years has been, you know, it's a different era than the guys that came before these kids. But Ratke's also hit some money kicks like he's a deserving leading all-time kicker for James. Yeah, I mean, so, and even the one yeah. the one he hit after that was still a 44-yarder. 40, and exactly. Just, I, mean, I mean, there have been times in the past where JMU kickers where you got outside 30-35, you're thinking 50-50 yeah. at best, you know. Um, it's no. tough. Actually, we've been very fortunate, we've been fortunate. the last 10 years yeah, or so, no, I think. Going way back. From Cam Stark onward. And actually, I had an interesting back and forth with Cam Stark on Twitter talking about, like, uh, I asked him if, if it was – are there certain situations where you're just more relieved than excited to make a mm -hmm. kick? And he yeah. came back and he said, absolutely. He said the, the young yes. one, I mean, the, the short ones, he's like, you just want to get it over with, you know, you're supposed to do it. And it's just more of a deep breath. Like, thank goodness. And then he said, you get yeah. more to like the 40 yarders, you know, in the forties, he's like, you want to make yours beyond 50. He's like, you're kind of playing with house money. Like you want to do yeah. it, but you don't beat yourself up. Um, it was just interesting. Right. Cause I always thought that way, like the chip shots to me, we'd be the ones that I wouldn't want to take as a kicker, particularly in college with those weird angles with the hash marks. Yeah. But, well, we, we talked about this. I know we've talked about this before and we both of us bring up high school too much, but I did kick a little mm -hmm. in high school and I, I always, you know, kicking when the game is tied is very mm -hmm. easy. Um, kicking when your team is trailing is very difficult. Yeah. Like, right. I, it's every kicker love. And I think one of the things, you know, it's been a good benefit to Radke and, Tyler Gray I and mean, some of the guys that have kicked in the last few years has been JMU. A lot of times it's been in a position where this is not the make or break thing yeah. of the game. Now to those kids credit uh, NDSU for Tyler Gray and Weber state for Ethan Radke that, you know, they've also they've won got the memorable for ones too. Yeah. yeah. They've got the memorable ones too. So congrats to uh, Ethan Radke and just what a win. I mean, what a great avenged loss. I mean, Rob, we've talked a couple of times just to kind of wrap this game up. You know, we don't know what the, we'll never know exactly what was said between Signetti and Jeff Bourne and Jonathan Alger. You know, when Signetti was interviewing one of multiple candidates that were interviewing for the head coach job. Um, but we know that Signetti and Elon came to 
Bridgeforth last year and beat JMU. Yeah. And we know that Signetti seemed to have some things to say about that. Yes. And, and, and thought that he, you know, if he had JMU's talent, maybe his end could beat your yeah. a little bit. And one thing's for sure, he went out there and showed that this week. Um, well, it was a know, good maybe, old 45-10 is, is more what I expect in a JMU-Elon score. Last year was an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully we do not return yeah, to that anytime soon. Yeah, and I, I did kind of sit back and say, you know, on Saturday I was so excited and I said, you know, that was awesome. This is amazing. And, and I still feel that way. Um, but I'm excited to see what Jamie does this coming week because, uh, you know, Signetti was the head coach of Elon the last two years. If anyone, his defensive coordinator became the head yeah. coach. If anyone knew what to do to game plan and scheme against Elon, it should be Kurt mm-hmm. Signetti. So it'll be kind of interesting to see as we head into the next few weeks and, and the real heart of the schedule, I think, the next four weeks. All the, well, yeah, the rest of October, right, through Towson. Mm-hmm. Um, from now through Towson is the real, real heart of the schedule for JMU, it looks like, in the regular season at this point. And this is where we'll find out what they're all about, but – JMU, number two in the nation, seemed seemingly very deserving and coming off some big wins and just dominating people at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Which has so, me really looking forward to the Stony Brook game. That's what yeah. I was wondering. So what's your first thing you're really looking forward to? Well, just week? the strength versus strength. I mean, these are two teams yeah. kind of built with the same blueprint. Um, Stony mm-hmm. Brook is very good against the rush. I think they're second in the conference to JMU being first and then uh, mm-hmm. In terms of rushing attacks, I think Stony Brook is first and JMU is second. Um, so it's That's just right. completely strength versus strength. Um, Seawolves are averaging like 260 yards a game on the ground. Now, you can kind of cue the fine bomb caller thing here. Like, they ain't played nobody, Paul. Like, <laughs> they, have, they have a schedule that would make, you know, some of the JMU schedules of the past look like Alabama's or something. Uh, Bloomsburg, yeah, baby. Yeah, like the old Lockheed <laughs> days. Um, right. But, I mean, they have been just taking care of business. And you can't control who yes. you play. You just got to go out there and beat them. And they've got the same sort of team they always have. Very rush for, you know, run heavy, stop the ball, we're going to win the end. They won an absolute miracle game. I don't know if you caught any of the game against Rhode Island. I, you know, I heard about it today, and I did not realize it was that crazy. So. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> Rhode Island, good gracious, the poor team is just snake bit. I think they've lost three, three games in a row either in overtime or like in the final minute. And they yep. came, they had like a 20 point fourth quarter to go ahead with a minute left. And then I heard the kid ran a 50, 56 yarder, ran a 50 yarder to win the game with 11 seconds. left, And it was some Keystone cops defense. Like it was oh. Rhode Island. Just all of a sudden it's like, they remember that they were Rhode Island and just, right. it was awful. They're just running into each other. And the guy just kind of scampered through the middle of the defense and down the quarterback for six and that was the game i mean it was just it was yep. it was gut-wrenching um to yeah, see how far to see like Rhode island just being competitive week in and week out like they deserve to yes. win some of these games but um mm-hmm. i don't know if you if you if that's the type of thing that builds momentum if you're stony brook or if that scares you straight or if that's reason for jmu to be like eh, they and all that you know they they had to pull a miracle mm-hmm. out against Rhode island i don't know i i think chuck prior is one of the underrated villains of the caa i do too coach yeah. um I, I say this all the time, every time we talk about Sony Brook, but his comments a couple of years ago about, you know, him, him thinking oh. it was a championship game, just clearly not understanding the way standings worked, where Jamie was undefeated, they <laughs> lost the game, and, oh, we got screwed. I'm like, no, you didn't, buddy. That was like some message board or Twitter egg type rant there. Um, just <laughs> the guy's just like, 
Danny Rocco light. If only Stony Brook maybe was better, people would care more. Um, but they are good. They're just underappreciated. I still think people think it was the new kid on the block. They're a solid team that's kind of consistently in that top four playoff battle type type team. Um, I don't know. I think this will be maybe a little bit tougher than the Elon game mm-hmm. in terms of play on the field, but without all the, the sideshow stuff. So I'm oddly confident. And Todd, you know me. I'm, I'm a pretty nervous fan. Yeah, you're not usually. But I'm, yeah. I'm feeling really good. I, I'm not worried. I'm looking forward to this game. I think JNU mm-hmm. is going to really show people how good its run D is. Uh, it's one mm-hmm. thing to shut out some of the teams they've shut out so far, but I think we're going to see an absolutely stellar performance against a rushing attack that really hasn't you know, seen much resistance. And, and I think mm-hmm. JMU being able to mix up the running backs and just that mm-hmm. offensive line, I, I think Jamie's going to feel that. I actually think they're going to win this one going away. That's good to hear. I, I, I think this one's going to be fun because I do think JMU, I mean, that strength versus strength is awesome. I agree really about Chuck Priori being a very underrated villain. Uh, you know, I think Signetti is going to be funny because I, I do think uh, he's going to be a villain in the conference in a yeah. way that Houston was not, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think for the most part, Houston kind of – and, you know, Signetti's an old-school guy too. You can just tell. Yeah. I mean, his face talking about the Elon game this week was an old-school coach who enjoyed the hell out of the fact that he ran for 300 yards mm-hmm. and didn't have to throw the ball. Yeah. In the four- he said – I mean, he said he wanted to throw the ball with Cole in the fourth quarter because he wanted to get him work, but he just didn't need to when you're running the ball that yeah. well kind of thing. You know, like um, – Like, why risk it? So, yeah. So, I, I think this is going to be a fun to watch the strength versus strength. Uh, the thing I'm looking forward to for JMU this week, and I think will be really big, is just the mental part of this game. And Signetti started stressing it today, is they got Villanova in two weeks. And everybody, you know, everybody in the country who follows FCS is very aware of what that game could mean and, and what that game looks like it's setting up to be. People are already starting to talk about it. Is it a seed game? Right. Yeah. Is it a seed game? Is it the winning game? Is it a... You know, yeah, is it a the path goes through this team kind of a game? Um, you know, JMU played Villanova on game day last time, you know, last time they hosted Villanova. So, and, and I think it's going to be a little cooler up there on Long Island this week. Uh, you know, Jay, here in Virginia, we're all dealing with a, another week of 90 degree weather. It looks like the next couple of days. And JMU is going to go up there. It looks like it's going to be in the fifth, low 50s up there on Long Island. So, you know, a little different setup. It's a longer road trip than JMU's had at any point this season. Um, it's homecoming for Stony Brook. This is a, you know, Stony Brook's a good team. And as we've said about Priori, he's underrated villain and he doesn't like JMU. No, he doesn't. Like he's made that very clear. And JMU's going up there in a little bit of a trap situation with the Villanova game looming. And I'm just interested to see, you know, it's their third road game in a row. Can they keep their focus where it needs to be and just, pound out another win i'd really 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 be encouraged if they looked you know three quarters of the way they looked against elon this week and other than that i don't know i mean i don't have a whole lot else to to offer on this Just one I, I think one more question. Know, stony brook's quarterback is a runner yeah and i think that's important right the last few five six years that as stony brook has ascended in the caa they've largely been behind the 
the statue that was Joe Carbone, <laughs> right? And Jamie just pounded him into the turf multiple times. And that's not going to be the case this year. So they're going to have to account for that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Do you think Jamie makes any changes in the punt return game? Like I, without, we don't want to call out Amos, yeah. but like he, he no. hasn't been as effective. Are they going to change things up? Maybe the, the schemes or are we looking at that where maybe they say, hey, you know what, you focus on just D, we bring a different returner because it hasn't been been clicking and it was such mm-hmm. a weapon last year. I just wonder if like the more you let it go, go on, is it going to start distracting? Because he's been very good defensively. He's, right. been, he's been awesome. And I don't think it's just him. Like everybody's quick to point out that he's muffing punts, but something just looks off in the return game. I, I, yeah. I don't know what it is, if he's not getting time, or if they're mixing signals or something. But, like, you've seen guys where, you know, he has muffed some, but there's other times when blockers kind of run into him or get into his space. Like, the whole thing just looks to be a bit of a mess right now. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a hard question. That's a really good question, Rob. I think it's a really hard one to answer because I don't know who else – I don't know what the options are, right? And I don't – and like you said, there's been quite a few of these where – Punts have been short. Amos has come up, and he's either gotten into the back of his blockers, gotten into the other team, and I don't know if that's a scheme. You know, is that is that a coaching thing? Like, are they struggling with the punt return game, or is that Amos himself? Is, is it like the runner? Um, he made a bad. I don't know what. Yeah. yeah, like you know, the one at the one at West Virginia was just a bad decision. And I think, uh, but it, I think that that one I was fine with because I was just like, you know what, the guy's trying to make a play, realizing it's a tight game, a game that could be decided by a big play. So, like, being overly aggressive, particularly against an FBS team, I'm mm-hmm. just going to say, you know what, it is what it is. It was, it was, a, it was a miss, but it was well-intentioned. These other mm-hmm. ones, though, it's, it's seemingly like every week something's going wrong in mm-hmm. the returning game. Yeah. I, I, I don't – oh, gosh. I, I don't think I would make the change. And, I, I, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know who else. Jawan Hamilton, I'm not sure who the other guys are, right, who are the backup players at that position i'm not exactly sure what the other options are um amos just gives you such a i don't know the, the so ceiling good. so yeah. high yeah. he's a game you know, changer and i think that's what... and one thing we saw last year that's been surprising to me is he's so athletic yeah it, you know he's not a guy who needs to catch the ball under per- perfect circumstances he is capable of catching it in duress, in on traffic, the run, yeah, make, on the run, making plays. We've seen that all last year. Oh, and we've seen it so, on the defensive side. I mean, his interception yeah. last week kind of turned the tide. Um, yeah, and I'd like to think they need to block it up a little better. I mean, all these years that we've had this kind of return game, whether that's interception returns or punt returns, um, John Miller, Richard Davis, you know, all these guys, they – Often it's been about the, the way that we've blocked those things. Well, that's why I said, would you make so, a change? So like, I'd like uh, to see, yeah, I'd like to see some other things. You know, I'd like to see him get coached up a little bit, maybe more than making a change with Amos. That's more of it. Like, I'm smart enough to know that I don't know crap about special teams. When it comes right, down to right, it. right. That's so, all like, I, it's like, I don't know. Like, they need to do something different. And I'm not necessarily saying change Amos. I wouldn't right. change him for all the reasons you stated. I think the mm-hmm. ceiling is so high. Get it. But I, I think we know enough now through this phase of the season where whatever they've been trying to do holistically mm-hmm. needs to be tweaked. You know, right. they've got to do something. You can, you can run the same personnel out there, but there's got to be something different. It, it's clear. It's just something is off and it seems like the entire timing mm-hmm. of it. So 
I, I still have plenty of faith in him. And goodness mm-hmm. only knows, he, he puts the fear of God in opposing special teams coaches. So mm-hmm. you got to do it. But th- I'm kind of excited to see what can happen and if they can just fix that phase of the game because I think that can be a, a true difference maker in some of these tight CA contests. Yeah, I, and I think that's also a really important difference maker in the playoffs. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's just punt return, it's punt too. Yeah. You know, and this coaching staff has clearly decided that Harry's going to punt the way he punts. And I wonder if they're sabotaging one of their best weapons. Yeah, he's booming them. He, he averaged over 50 yards he's a kick. Them. Like you said, he's 50 yards a kick this week, but I don't want to give up the absolute threat that he has been. I mean, I think he's four, you know, four out of five for his career on face. Yeah. And, you know, almost, almost single-handedly won the national championship game over North Dakota state with a face yep. that worked, you know? So I, I don't want to lose the sort of dynamism of either one of those players. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I wouldn't, I don't want to go away from Amos just yet. <laughs> I wouldn't go away from the personnel, but I would, change something up about the way yeah, they're doing somehow it. we got to get these guys blocked uh, up. get them blocked yeah. up or i don't know if you want to do reverses but they need a spark i, I think it's one of these things where if they connect to like a couple plays i think the mm-hmm. confidence and everything else will get going and the problems will fix themselves yeah i did think it was nice as you said rob amos with the interception at chattanooga and then this week with rashad with a really good interception yeah. Um, we're starting to see against the a guy that come. doesn't throw interceptions. Right. And we talked about this earlier in the season was where were the big plays? I and mean, we saw Daka mm-hmm. tearing the quarterback up limb to limb. Two sacks in a, a row. Bit. It was a couple Daka sacks in a row. Somebody, right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think those plays are starting to come. And I think we saw it even in the offensive game with some of the stuff with the unbalanced line. I think Signetti's been holding back a little bit in, in Montgomery too, mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, what their plan is. And I'm kind of anxious to see what the bells and whistles are as we get to Villanova and Towson and down the Mm -hmm. road. So we'll see, but that's a good question. So Rob, I know you've got a sort of brief overtime before a true off time. Well, this is not even over. Why don't you introduce us to a, yeah, no, this is our new. Yeah. I would actually love to make this a weekly segment. Yeah. Um, This isn't intended to be funny or just, this is purely just mean. (laughs) We just, this is our new segment called LOL spiders. Um, yes. we're, we just want to point out something that would make Richmond fans sad this week. Um, yep. no, this is not tongue in cheek. Like we really, we don't like the ticks and yep. they're particularly terrible at football this year. Um, yeah. and we feel yeah, like we, bad. we haven't been doing our fair share as JMU fans and spider haters to point this <laughs> out and kind of just revel in it. So right. I think each week we'll, we'll, what do we, we each can give kind of one stat or, play or just something that we think would really make spider fans sad yeah so i don't you want to go first i hope that i can do spider father proud wherever he is um in in just talking about this um my my thought for this week is kind of a big picture one and that is that if the spatters don't win this weekend they're not going to win again it could be over yeah it's going to be a one in 11 Mm -hmm. season yeah so they have, they have a win over non-scholarship Jacksonville out of the Pioneer League. I believe they are the Dolphins. I'm a little unsure of that. But th- they did win the opening game in the bread box over Jacksonville. Since then, they have lost to Boston College. No shame no. there. Um, they got blown out by 22 points um, at home against the Elon team that JMU beat by a lot this week. 
They lost to a Patriot League Fordham team last week, who may or may not be good. So, not to say that. But this weekend, they host Albany for the um, Sweater Vest Family yes. Weekend. And after that, they don't, they don't, they're not going to win. They again. could be an they play at Maine. Yeah. Yeah. They play at Maine. They play Yale, who's a really good team out of the Ivy League. No, we don't talk about them much, but they're really good. They play at Delaware. They're not winning that. They host Stony Brook for homecoming. They're not winning that. They play at Villanova. They're not winning. They play at JMU. That's going to be a bloodbath. And then they, they do host William & Mary in the Capital Cup in the last game. But I don't think Mike Lendon is bringing the Tribe back to Richmond to no. lose to this team at the end of a 1-9 Richmond yeah. season. So this is it. If they don't beat the Great Danes this weekend, um, they're going 1-11 this oh, year. That would be and, lovely. And hopefully this segment will just continue that yeah. all year. Yeah, so, I, just, I, yeah. Just, I mean, one thing – I. Just for kicks, yeah, before we uh-huh. came on here, I, I looked up the Richmond message board. And for uh-huh. context, the top thread right now is just entitled Apathy, which it just warms my heart <laughs> to think like, you know, a team that had to downgrade the stadium size now is worried about apathy. So that kind of sums it up. But <laughs> I dug into the, the Fordham game. That's such a Delaware thread. Oh, title. yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> Fordham, where's where's Caribbean? Yeah, what are you just going for? But Fordham is not like the the eighty five no. Bears or anything. Like, they were giving up two hundred eighteen yards a game on the ground. Richmond mm-hmm. rushed for sixty five yards. I yeah. mean, they just it's they're the Patriot League is not really known for anything for like it's anything football. It's not a good Georgetown is. Probably, but we lost like, the Colgate last year, so it yeah, is what it well, is. Yeah, but but that that hurts. I mean, I still get ignored that. But yeah, this year hurts. it is not a good Patriot League. In the past, no, they, it is not. It, they're usually most years they'll they'll have a couple teams, one or, one two, or two teams. teams, and as we know, yeah, and, and Fordham has Fordham has been that team, team with Chase NFL running back Chase Edmonds during those yeah, years. And then but the, it's been a few. Then years. the coach disappeared. <laughs> the coach is on some other staff now. Um, yeah, but it's just they have not been really stout on defense, and they were pretty stout. They had a JMU like running rushing the performance, so two point three yards per carry for the Spiders on Saturday. Ooh. So that's Ooh. tough. You do that against a Patriot League opponent, you're gonna have a tough yep. time against the JMU's and Stony Brooks and Villanovas of the world. So. Yeah, so get that win this weekend, yep. Tix. It's gonna be a long year if you don't get to beat the Great Danes yes. this weekend. And uh, Albany did, you know, they beat. What, William Mary. Mary? Yeah, beat William Mary this weekend. So, you know, always – who knows? We haven't seen Albany in a couple of years. Jamie has been uh, avoiding that end of the, the bottom end of the conference there. Yep. But we'll see what happens. So, yeah, good luck, Ticks. And then our last overtime topic tonight, a little off topic, Rob, was uh, we, we got this question from some contributors over time. Is we, And I know we've answered this a little bit, but I was kind of thinking of one tailgate essential as we hopefully get ready to build up towards our own family weekend two weekends from now. So did you have one essential item for your tailgate? Well, my go-to is always ham biscuits. And these aren't like, these aren't like country ham or like, you know, I'm not talking buttermilk biscuits. I'm talking very simple. I think Todd, I've brought these many tailgates, but like King's Hawaiian rolls, you get the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You slice them in half. You put just regular old sliced ham, Swiss cheese, and then it's, it's mm-hmm. very. It's like the simplest thing. It's like ham. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. It's like just the ham cheese, then honey, mustard, poppy seeds. You just kind of drench the the buns and the and the ham in there. Throw them in the oven, mm-hmm. and they're amazing. They're good for breakfast food. They're great if you got like 
you know, sandwiches and burgers type thing. You can grab them, just get the little mini ones. They're great after the game. You can heat them up. It's mm-hmm. one of my go-tos. It's my family makes them whenever we go to games and it's just kind of become like synonymous with tailgating for me. I love it. Um, mine is, uh, the, the ham, your ham biscuits are excellent, yes. Rob. I like the, uh, Jess and Rob ham yes. biscuits. Always a hit. Uh, mine is just don't run out of beer. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I know, I know that's really simple. It's too old of me to say, but you, you got to buy a little extra. Just throw the six or 12 pack of the cheap, something cheap at the end in the bottom of the cooler. Like you want to be able to give it away and not worry. Right. That, that you run out for the people what you're with. And you want to be able to maybe have one for three or four people to come celebrate with after the game. Well, so, that's what I'm it's the post, yeah. the post gamers. Yeah. The post everybody. So to just throw that last little six pack of cheap beer in the bottom of the cooler. It's you fine. never know when you might. Yeah. Throw a bottle of water it, it, for your driver, and then everybody else hangs out. Right. You're cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Getting those, hopefully talking about a win and cracking open mm-hmm. a cold one before heading down to Pale Fire or wherever you're on. You know? Yeah, I, th- I love that one. And then my other thing, Rob, that's served me really well in the last few years is I've, I've gone to, I think the last five years we've talked about this, I try to make one new addition to the tailgate each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the budget issue had gotten a little out of hand <laughs> trying to get everything at once and like, always wanting to go to the bookstore. So I've gone from like adding the tent to adding the flagpole to adding the, you know, this year I'm getting new chairs, like, <laughs> you know, just one thing a year so that it's not, um, so it's manageable. You know, not, yeah. yeah, it's manageable and not overwhelming. And you can kind of justify it in your, in your ridiculous, you know, in terms of ridiculous purchases, there's not many more ridiculous than the uh, extendable flagpole that goes under the truck tire. Yeah. You know, so, so worth it though. So worth yeah, it. so worth it though, right? So yeah, one thing a year that'll that'll do. You That's well. a good mantra. Just slow and steady, you know. Yes, but Rob, it's so good to talk to you about this win. It was a fun one to watch. Oh, it was a I'm blast! Really it's a great one. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. for CA play, I'm really excited heading into the meat of the season now. Me too. I, I am. Um, I have to say, I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little bit hopeful. I'm a little concerned. I. I have a commitment this Saturday night that I'm. It's going to be tough. The second half is going to be very six tough. Six o'clock kickoff, right? Yeah, six o'clock kickoff, Stony Brook homecoming. It's a big one. Uh, the replay will be up surely on Flow Sports right after the game. Um, but you're going to need to take us home this weekend in the second half a little bit in terms of the, the Twitter game. No, and stuff. I'm looking forward to it. We got like our neighborhood yeah. arts festival, and I, I, they're desperate for volunteers to do cleanup. And I think cleanup is like ends right before six. So I, I might do that. Oh, and cool. Head home and, yeah, you know, maybe the boys will want to watch. Yeah, definitely. A little JMU. Yeah, they'll be a little more yeah. excited. Some of these early season blowouts have not really been um, winning my kids' hearts over. They've been right. getting mad at me. Why can't we turn on the LSU game? They're playing Texas. Right. I'm like, chill out. That's right. JMU. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll, maybe they'll enjoy the, uh, the big game against Villanova the next year. Yeah, week. certainly. Um, you know, Rob, I'm definitely looking forward to – I did see Brian McLaughlin – is making the trip to Harrisonburg yeah, again cool. for that game. And he'd booked that a while ago and didn't, don't think he even anticipated that it would turn, turn out to be as big as it may few be. People if JMU, few people did. Right. But uh, if JMU can win this weekend, so that's about it. Thanks to pale fire. Thanks to Mossy Creek. Looking forward to visiting both of those places quite a few times this fall. Rob, I will say I'm enjoying the back end backloaded schedule home schedule for JMU. Yeah, it's nice. So it's given us a chance to get our falls and our family stuff off the ground early in the fall. And, uh, you know, we'll all be joining up together in Harrisonburg quite a bit in November. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking that, forward to it. That works for it's me. A, it's actually, it's one of those yeah. schedules where I wasn't that excited about it on paper in the summer. Mm-hmm. And now just the way things are playing out with, 
you know, Villanova and like some Towson. It's it's shaping yeah. up to be Richmond one of the end. better home schedules or one of the better CAA schedules, not necessarily home, but one of the better CAA schedules in terms of competition and kind of tough challenges week in and week out. Sure is. So the first one, uh, last one of this three-game road trip is this weekend at Stony Brook. And Rob, I hope I will talk to you next Monday about another big JMU. Yeah, I hope so. All right. I'll talk to you next week, Rob.